Hello, this is Jeff Windsor, and this is Lucky Words, a podcast where we talk about culture, art, and a good deal of poetry, ideally all while we're outdoors doing something cool. I'm in Canyonlands National Park, and I am walking down the switchbacks on the Murphy Loop Trail. The guidebook says it's about 11 miles, five to seven hours, they say. And I just am nearing the bottom of some of the sketchiest switchbacks I have ever, ever seen. The ranger said, when you see it, you will wonder how they possibly could have made those. And I thought, uh-huh, that's how all switchbacks are. Oh, uh-uh. This, while there are sections of bare rock, the whole trail had to be marked by cairns. And each time you'd walk to one cairn, totally unclear about what was going to happen as soon as I reached it. And I would get there, stand at the cairn, look around. Oh, there's the next one. And walking through on some of the ruggedest, rockiest trail I've ever been on. The steepness makes me a little heavy in the heart to think about returning back up it. But that's not too bad. I've had steeper. But it was a very... It was a mentally challenging set of switchbacks. Coming down these has made my knees wake up and say hello. Actually, that's not true. What my knees are saying is, hey dummy, what are you doing? You're getting old. You can't do what you used to do. As you might be able to hear right now, this is more consistent, normal, single track trail. This would still be a very technical mountain bike route at this point. What preceded would have been an impossible mountain bike route. No possible way for a mountain biker to have done that. I'm down here by myself this time because Kate's working and the kids are in school. It would be a good time to come down and do some recording and do some writing. Wow. I'm actually on a terrace between the top with a huge wall of red rock towering to my right and to my left a giant drop off to a canyon floor below was this prairie oh I don't know I'm gonna say 50 yards across right here sure 
feels as substantial as anything. Although in the grand scheme of things, I really am just tiptoeing along the edge. Canyonlands defies photography. You simply cannot capture it. The magnitude of the place is beyond what can be contained in just the narrow borders of a, of a photograph. Once it's flattened out stuck on your screen it just is not nearly the same I know I've said it before but there is no better illustration of Edmund Burke's sublime principle than this landscape here Once I got down out of the switchbacks off the wall and onto this flat terrace, this flat prairie, I pulled out my book of poetry, as one does. I'm sure you've done the same many times. And flipped through and I did in fact read out loud a couple of poems. And no one to hear me except the walls of stone and the lizards. Not even a bird right now. Just me. But it seems like a wise thing to read one here for the podcast. Here is one that seemed amazingly appropriate sentiment is right even if the images are wrong by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow this is my cathedral like two cathedral towers these stately pines uplift their fretted summits tipped with cones the arch beneath them is not built with stones not art but nature traced those lovely lines and carved this grateful arabesque of vines. No organ but the wind here sighs and moans. No sepulchre conceals a martyr's bones. No marble bishop on his tomb reclines. Enter. The pavement carpeted with leaves gives back a softened echo to thy tread. Listen. A choir is singing. All the birds in leafy galleries beneath the eaves are singing. Listen, ere the sound be fled, and learn there may be worship without words. Obviously, Longfellow is referring to the landscape around his native New England home. And the pines and the birds the leaf-covered 
uh, ground. This landscape I'm in is very clearly not that. And I can picture it, can't you? The tall pines, I can imagine, just walking in amongst them. And that quiet, holy feeling of being surrounded by nature and feeling somehow edified and, and sanctified by it. But this landscape that I'm walking through now is very clearly not that. Nothing that grows here is even as tall as me. It does feel almost Martian or lunar. The red sand, the gray and green, usually kind of that olive drought resistant color. And then every once in a while, a vibrant green of some Brigham tea. And even still, it's grayish green and reddish brown. My favorite moments, though, are like right here. Delicate, tiny purple flowers. And a little clump surrounded by dirt. Underneath them, I can see a little cryptobiotic crust that is anchoring the soil and gives these plants a chance. It's actually pretty dang inspiring. Not to mention just beautiful in its delicacy. They're so tiny, almost to be invisible. I don't know if the recorder picked that up or not. Two ravens cawing, calling out to each other as they spiraled in this perfect sink in a little alcove of rock. And they spun around and around for a minute. Their calls were louder, echoing off the stone, and now they've moved away. I might be able to hear him now. In this world of reddish brown and grayish green, there is one that is particularly special. I love to see Indian paintbrush stick its head up. Oh, there's a lizard. Where suddenly there is this vibrant red sticking up almost defiantly. It looks perfectly part of the landscape. It stands out with its color and proclaims that it is special. Just had a butterfly fly right past my face. Longfellow's Cathedral, the wild forest of 19th century New England. There isn't much left in the way of 
wild forests in 21st century New England. Fortunately, for the sake of this country, we do still have the West. Out here, we can still find sacredness in nature. We can still find solitude. We can still find silence. And the singing of the birds might be cawing of ravens, carpeting of leaves on the ground might instead be sand washed from sandstone cliffs. Stately pines might be walls of stone. But this feels like a cathedral nonetheless. There is one interesting poetic bit going on in this poem. One that deserves some consideration as well. I don't have a solid answer to this. As with many things in poetry, there is ambiguity about it. But it still is worth our time to note and to ponder ambiguity, simply because that in and of itself is one of the enriching aspects of poetry. The last line in the poem, he says, and learn there may be worship without words. And the irony comes in as he is using words to describe something without words. And of course his words are part of what gives the wordless thing meaning. And by naming it, it again obtains a word. But the act of using words to describe something that cannot be described in words, something that is slippery, something that just continues to make us wonder and question, that is what poetry is. That is what makes poetry, poetry. That's why there's so much love poetry. Love is a word that describes a thing. And that thing is awfully difficult to really describe. And every time we try and put it in words, you know this, you fall short. You try and you try and explain it by using perhaps a, a metaphor or a simile. You try and communicate it with a feeling. You use an image and say to your beloved, the way that this thing makes me feel is a fraction of what you make me feel. You know that simply saying the words, I love you, cannot do justice to the depth of your feeling. And any time you try, you try to explain it, you try and get to the real truth, you too are a poet. And if you choose to write it down, you are making poetry, you are creating art. 
And whether you share it just with your beloved or with the whole world, you are doing that same work that poets have always done to try to communicate using words something that cannot be communicated in words. Let's read Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's My Cathedral one more time. Like two cathedral towers, these stately pines uplift their fretted summits tipped with cones. Their arch beneath them is not built with stones, not art but nature traced those lovely lines, and carved this graceful arabesque of vines. No organ but the wind here sighs and moans. No sepulcher conceals a martyr's bones, no marble bishop on his tomb reclines. Enter, the pavement carpeted with leaves gives back a softened echo to thy tread. Listen, the choir is singing. All the birds in leafy galleries beneath the eaves are singing. Listen, ere the sound be fled, and learn there may be worship without words. Lucky Words is a one-man show. It's just me. Typically recorded somewhere here near my home in Utah. Sometimes traveling out and about. Always recorded outdoors and typically in a single take. If you'd like to read the text of today's poem or any of the other poems or anything else, some quotes about art or the outdoors, if you'd like to read some essays that I've written, it's all available at jeffreywindsor.net.